Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for three hundred denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. This is the word of the Lord. Um, but this is a, uh, a special time for us as we transition into a, a new season of the church year. Well, I want to ask you a question this morning. Uh, it's probably one that no one has asked you lately. At least, I'm, I'm guessing not. What is your signature scent? What is your signature scent? And I hope it's positive. Scent as in S-C-E-N-T. That's a question that Forbes magazine uh, seeks to help its readers answer. They wrote an article uh, recently about perfume. And the author states that in an ideal world, a signature scent serves as a personal scent memory to cherished friends and loved ones. Now, uh, I've been around some people that had a significant scent but it's not one that I cherish. It's not a memory I cherish. I have had that scent uh, where uh, I have uh, forgotten to throw my deodorant and everybody reminds me uh, by the end of the day. But it says, a fragrance can linger on clothes, in rooms, over the air, causing thoughts like, and I don't know what this is, Santel 33. Anybody know what that is? Some kind of expensive perfume. It should be Chanel, right? Um, And uh, the uh, memories that come along with that, where we might uh, enter into the room. And and this happened when I first started dating Jenny. Um, When I was, after I was stalking her um, in the library, we met in seminary. We um, had just um, had an opportunity to meet uh, when we were in high school, but that's a longer story. But we, we really officially met uh, when we were in seminary, and she always wore this perfume. Beautiful. Um, and so I could find her. I, I would know that she had been in the library, which was a pretty rare thing. But I could tell that she had been in there because I could smell, I could smell this beautiful. And there weren't a whole lot of women at seminary. So... Um, I didn't figure any guys were wearing it, but I I could track her down and it was just that beautiful. So every time I smell beautiful, uh, I think about Jenny and, uh, it's a, it's a beautiful smell. Uh, but it says getting to that point of having your significant scent is difficult. Thanks to the complications of finding a signature perfume. The short answer for how to find your elusive signature fragrance is merely this. Find one that you like. The search for the rich fragrance isn't quick and easy, is it? 
Maybe some people tell you, that's not a good smell for you. Some people can't even take the smell of perfume. I've been in some churches where they say, no one wear perfume or cologne because somebody has an allergy to it or someone has a sensitivity to that. And that is uh, sometimes a difficult thing to uh, be able to control. But perfume, after all, it isn't cheap and it shouldn't be wasted. Apparently, that's what Judas thought too. As he sees Mary pouring out the perfume on Jesus' feet. And this is, we have a lot of Marys in the New Testament. Uh, This is Mary of Bethany. This is Mary, the sister of Martha, and uh, whose brother is Lazarus. So just to remember a little bit of what has taken place there. Lazarus died and they called on Jesus to come. Jesus gets there late. Uh, And he goes and he calls him to come out of the tomb. And he does. And so we see this resurrection of Lazarus. And there is this relationship that exists there. But she is pouring out her perfume on Jesus' feet. And what he sees is a precious year's worth of salary that is spilling out on Mary's hands and, and carelessly and unnecessarily out onto the feet of Jesus. What Judas smells is not the beautiful aroma of anointing from a devoted follower, but instead the most expensive of perfumes going to a place that is far less important to him than his own concerns and his own agenda. He says, if you look in your your text there, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii? which again is about a year's worth of salary for somebody back then. Mary of Bethany would not have been able to earn that. But for a man in their culture, that would be about a year's salary. And why did you not sell it for this amount and give that money to the poor? We get an understanding based on John's commentary here that Judas doesn't care about the poor. He's not really concerned about that. It seems like all Judas is concerned with is himself, his own agenda, the coins that he could bring to himself. And we see, and we'll see in the next couple of weeks, where this gets him in a lot of trouble. But surely you've been there in a moment like that. Knowing that you should keep quiet Keep your mouth shut about someone uh, else's business. You see them doing something and you think you need to speak up. Anybody like that? You bite your tongue and you say, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. And then after a while, it just overcomes you and you blurt out. I mean, you just throw the words out there and you share your opinion. This happens as we get older, right? Uh, If you... um, are, are getting up in age, you know that it, you don't care about sharing your opinion, right? There is no longer a filter that holds you back. You will just say it because all the wisdom that is there, you're just going to tell somebody what you think about it. And sometimes that needs to happen. But Judas, he just jumps out there and shares his opinion. Judas is against this whole misdirected movement of Jesus going towards suffering and death. At first, Judas was all about Jesus. He thought, this guy 
is going to help us overthrow our our oppressors. The Roman government and, and all these problems that we're having, Jesus is our answer. But the more Jesus talks about all this suffering and dying and taking up a cross, all of that, that that is not what Judas has in mind at all. He is against anything and anyone who poses a threat to how he thinks that God is moving in the world. But that's not what Mary thought about her perfume, which would be a Chanel number five of today. This was spike nard. Anybody wear any spike nard in here today? Our care group was talking about this a few weeks ago, and we looked all over Shreveport to find spike nard because we wanted to see what it smelled like, and uh, we were trying to figure out what this is all about. But it is also known as Nardostachus jatamansi. Uh, Bill Allen is probably the only one that can pronounce that correctly. Thank you. I practiced it. But it uh, it comes from uh, Wikipedia. And it says, A flowering plant of the Valerian family that grows in the Himalayas of Nepal, China, and India. The plant grows to about one meter, which is about three feet in height, and has pink bell-shaped flowers, as you can see there. It is found in the altitude of about 3,000 to 5,000 meters uh, rhizomes, uh, these underground stems, can be crushed and distilled into an intensely aromatic, amber-colored essential oil, which is very thick in consistency. Nard oil is used as a perfume, an incense, a sedative, and an herbal medicine said to fight insomnia, birth difficulties, and other minor ailments. Minor ailments. So if you find this spike nard, Bring it up here uh, because we would like to uh, see what it smells like and see who's really got some sensitivity to spike nard. I know I'm going to get in trouble uh, with my wife because um, she's glaring at me. Um, But she, uh, as she encountered this spike nard and, and opened that jar and began to pour it, she knew it was a high dollar fragrance, and that when it was gone, it was gone. She probably walked by and saw it on the shelf time and time again, every day. Maybe she thought, I'm going to put that um, on my father's head when he is buried. I'm going to anoint him. This was used primarily to anoint someone for death. Uh, Maybe she thought that she would share it with a friend who had lost someone. Or maybe she thought she would just put it on herself when she felt sick. I don't know. I mean, we don't have that information. But she did understand how precious this was. And uh, she knew what she was doing with it was going to be absolutely worth it. She, Judas, the others, and especially Jesus, understood what an outpouring uh, of this kind was for Mary. As Eliseo Perez Alvarez writes in his commentary on this text, he says, according to Mark 14.5, the perfume price was 300 denarii, namely a yearly salary. But Mary didn't care. She put that recently coined money in its place at Jesus' feet. He says, golden heaven streets send precisely the same message. Gold is to be stepped on. 
and not to be ruled by the worldly creed. In gold we trust. Isn't that our creed? Our money says, in God we trust, but we don't trust God, do we? We don't trust God with our money. In gold do we trust. He says, time is not money. Time is life. Furthermore, money is an idol made of gold and silver. Judas can't get past the idolatry of money. And he doesn't ever get past it. Mary, though, demonstrates what you do with something that is so valuable. Mary's spilling of perfume onto the feet of Jesus was her act of adoration. She adored Jesus for being a friend. Something unusual for a Jewish man uh, to be for a woman. There is this friendship that was there. He obviously was a true friend to her and to her sister Martha and especially to her brother Lazarus. And this kind of relationship between them, as we see in Mark and represented in the Gospels, is that kind that is formed through the power of shared experiences. Some of you have had shared experiences. You didn't know each other when you met uh, here at the church, and, and you were sharing an experience together serving on a missional team or going to Lake Providence or participating together in a, uh, a community event where we were uh, bringing potluck together for a meal or doing different things, and you shared an experience. For some of you, that happens in Sunday school or in a care group where you laugh. I always love hearing laughter. I don't know what they do in the women's classroom over here, but it is loud. They, they laugh. And they enjoy one another's company and fellowship. I don't want to know what they're doing in there. But this is what they had with Jesus. What Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they shared in the experiences of laughter together. And of sacrificial love. Of tried and true loyalty. That's what Jesus was to them. Mary knew that in the depths of her soul. Jesus was a loyal and dependable friend, but also from the sheer enjoyment of just hanging out together. It's hard for us to imagine that. And it may be if you have this particular view of Jesus, um, of being uh, someone who never smiles and someone who never laughs and someone who never tells jokes and someone who never just is comfortable around other people then you have a pretty skewed view of Jesus. But I want to invite you to think about Jesus in a different way. To think about what it would have been like to be Mary and to just hang out with Jesus. Mary also adored Jesus for what he had done to bring her dead brother Lazarus back to life. A reality that must have been behind this motivation of extravagance that day as she sees him there at the table with Jesus as she adores Jesus in this way. But she also adored Jesus, not just for... Somebody's phone is ringing. Go ahead and get that. But she also adored Jesus, not just for where he had been with her, but where he was going for them. That Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. 
Jesus was headed into great challenge and difficulty. And she had some sense of this. And in recognition that he was truly Messiah, she anointed him. I mean, that's what you did for someone who is Messiah. But she chose his feet rather than his head. Usually you would anoint someone's head if they were getting ready to die. Or if they had already died, you would anoint their head with this beautiful fragrance. But she anointed his feet because she anticipated where his feet were headed. Mary's act of adoration is what we remember most about her. And it continues as a model for us as we follow Jesus today. This reckless act of love inspires us, especially as we end these 40 days of Lent and as we soon enter into Holy Week. And I hope it has been a time of introspection, a time of reflection, a time of spiritual growth in your life. Do we love Jesus like Mary of Bethany did? Do you Love Jesus like Mary. It's a question to think about as you finish out these 40 days. Do we adore Him enough to spill out what is most cherished and expensive to us? I mean, are you willing to take something off the top shelf, something that is so precious and valuable and dear to you, And to consecrate it for the cause of Christ. I mean, that's actually what your life is. It is an expensive and uncommon offering to God. I hope you know that about yourself today. I encounter people most every week who sometimes don't don't understand that at all. Children, adults, I mean, we all go through those times where we think we're just not worth anything. But you're valuable. You are valuable to God. You are a a precious gift that God has made and put into this world. And that life that God has given to you is something that you ought to give back to God. That you would be willing to consecrate it that you would be willing to become that pleasing aroma to God as your life is poured out in this world. Pouring your life out also makes the world better as it revitalizes the atmosphere of wherever it happens to go. That you bring the fragrance of life rather than the stench of death. Everywhere you go. To school tomorrow, yeah, I don't think there's going to be any any uh, flooding tomorrow, so you're probably going to have to go to school. Teach, yeah, there's some uh, <laughs> happy parents and grandparents here. Um, going to work tomorrow. Going back to the things that are a part of your weekly activities. As you go there, you can take a sweet smell of life to the people around you as you allow God to pour out your life. Wherever and whenever that is that you spill it out. Mary took some decisive steps to pour out her life and you and I must take decisive, very intentional steps and actions to pour out our life for Jesus. 
I mean, your life has amazing significance. And you can keep it safely on the shelf or dripped out sparingly, maybe only on certain occasions. But that's not what God would have us do. And certainly what Mary would have us know is that it was never given to us to store away. It was not given to you to go and bury somewhere and hide from everybody else. It is for us to pour out at the feet of Jesus. And like Mary, we are to see that Jesus is worth the outpouring. Mary had her reasons for her unrestrained adoration. And we have ours. What is yours today? Why should you pour out your life for Jesus? Perhaps you've discovered the complete joy of friendship with Jesus. I mean, have you? Is Jesus more than a name or a historical figure? More than someone you see uh, hanging on a cross? More than just this person that you have heard about? Is there a relationship there, a friendship that you can have with Jesus? Maybe you've discovered it, experiencing what it is like to walk and to talk with Him as you live your life each day. How many of you talk to Jesus? Okay, good. A lot of honest people. Um, I'm not going to ask what you say, but sometimes, and and I've I've heard uh, some of you say, uh, thank you, Jesus. Now, if you're saying that because you've got a new parking spot or a better parking spot, uh, that's probably a stretch. I don't think God cares where you park, and I don't think uh, Jesus intervenes in that way. But I think it is good to talk to Jesus, just to say, thank you, Jesus, or Jesus, help. That's what Anne Lamott said is the most powerful prayer in the world, right? Help, Jesus, have mercy on me. That's an ancient prayer. Jesus, have mercy. Whatever your prayer is, you can walk and talk with Jesus. Maybe you know what it is like to be inspired and encouraged and challenged by the words and the actions of Jesus. You know that His interest in you is dependable, more so than any friend you've ever had. And by the way, you you never will have a better friend than Jesus. Your other friends will scatter. uh, They'll go different directions. Jesus never will. He will stand there with you no matter what. Or like Mary, your reason for adoration is because you have seen the resuscitating power of Jesus in bringing someone that you love, maybe even yourself, back from the dead. There are a lot of stories in this church of people coming back from the dead. Not necessarily in a physical sense but in a spiritual sense. And sometimes that has physical manifestations. But in our church, just as in every church, there are people who have been dead in addiction. People who have been dead in a a mistake that they have made somewhere along the way. Maybe even having to go to prison or to go to jail or someone who has been dead in a relationship or someone who has been dead to the dreams that they once had for this world. 
and they have found that Jesus brought them back to life. I'll bet all of you have a testimony like that. That you could say, Jesus has brought me back. Or Jesus brought my brother, brought my mother, my father, brought them back to life. And what they were once is gone. They become a brand new creation. Maybe you have experienced that with Jesus. You've seen this power of His work in a way that you know is effective for you as well. And you conclude as Martha and Mary did, as Jesus said about Himself, I am the resurrection and the life. When they began to wonder what Jesus was going to do with their brother, when they began to question why He was late, He didn't get there in time, to save him. Martha and Mary, don't you know, I am the resurrection and the life. He may be dead, but he's going to live again. And sure enough, we see that happening. If you need another reason for adoration of Jesus this morning, there's one for you as we enter Holy Week. As you remember where Jesus was headed, And as you remember why. The perfume that spilled onto the feet of Jesus that day became Mary's signature fragrance. What is yours? And what will be yours as we move into Holy Week? Let us pray.